0: Radio ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשירס
1: Shalom and welcome to another edition of Parsha Talk. I'm Rabbi Elliot Balment in Highland Park, New Jersey at the Highland Park Conservative Temple Congregation, Anche Amet. And joining me by my good friends, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Solomon Schechter, Day School of Long Island, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, Anche Chesed, New York City. It's great to see you guys. It's been a while. I'm back from Israel. Came back actually today, the day that we're recording this is Thursday. We want to thank everybody for tuning in, for watching. One of the things, the theme of uh, a lot of discussions and conversation I had while I was in Israel is you got to honor your audience. So we honor our audience. We are always honoring our audience. We thank you because we know you have so many choices for your Torah knowledge. We have so many competitors uh, out there, people who just try to do Parsha but we do it the best often
0: imitated never duplicated
1: that's right why, did, why, why in Israel were they why't
0: they Israel talk about the honoring your audience what was
1: I you know I, it's it's a theme that I, I, I I'm bringing there It's it's I had a few conversations with people who are trying to develop audiences and what I have noticed is in both in in from the Parsha talk and from just you know things and reading that I've been doing and people listening to other podcasters people that honor their audiences you know they're on their audiences honor them it's it's just about that it's hakarata tov and on a serious note it's it's the the understanding that the people that are devoted and we have a couple of hundred people who are watching and listening us to us um they they're quite devoted to us and 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 I, I look. I can't help but be, feel very touched and honored about that. And we all totally. we talk about it ourselves, you know, totally. this is great. This is we we know that we've become part of people's lives in in some very special way, and we've made the Torah part of their lives through through our voices and through our interpretations and through the joy that we have. You know, we we kibitz with one with one another, and and uh, we share a lot of um, ideas together, and you know. It's funny, we we you know, Barry, you mentioned to us privately in our little private chats that uh, you went back to a couple of you know years ago and and you know there's a lot of interesting stuff there. <laughs> you know, so do you guys have
0: you guys ever seen um there's this there's this interesting like Substack and and uh, it's called the bulwark that's put together by a bunch of never Trump Republicans and three of them Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller and Jonathan Lass is the third guy they have a three-way conversation and i i recognize the in the same that here and I, I i think the topic is different but uh, the style is similar
1: yeah, absolutely you know and and um look there's what there's there's a lot to be said we're we're in an environment where there's so much content the idea is not about producing content the idea is about how do you really engage an audience and how do you shape an audience and really it's all about honoring on so we want to do that and uh, you know each one of us has specific audiences but we we are all overlapped too you know people who are close to Baron, close to you jeremy you know and people close to me you know they all they've all gotten to know us uh and uh, we'd love to do this in person one of these days but let's let's instead talk about what it means to be close to one another. Uh, and that's this parsha. I think I think this is a good frame to really understand the parsha. The parsha opens Parsha Truma, which we have to say is an amazing parsha. It amazing. talks about asking for the gifts and and I'd love to focus on that but but I, before you know that's the opening opening lines of the parsha are about the, the specific materials that are going to be asked for in the construction of the Mishkan, beautiful set of of materials, uh, gold, silver, and bronze and copper, uh, and, and other and special yarns, etc. But then we get the 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 title basically, the iconic verse: Vasu li mikdash betocham, they shall make me a mikdash, a sanctuary. I will dwell in them. And so we have to stop there, as we've probably you know done before, and ask what what's going on here. But ask also about the context of this, the the context in time. And I want to pose to you, uh, you know, two different interpretations. One which is articulated through Ramban, Nachmanides, he's saying that, that these instructions come really chronologically following what we saw last week, the covenant ceremony, Mishpatim, Na ishma. they stood at Sinai. Sinai was a, a highly evocative experience, the experience of revelation, and then the addendum of the covenant code in, in many, many laws, and the final acceptance through a, a covenant ceremony, a brit, um, and then here Vasuli mikdash. So the people have accepted in principle the Torah, and now there is the possibility for continuation. In Nachmanides' interpretation, that they will simply build on it, and the mishkan functions as a uh, the locus, the place in which the relationship will build. And then you have another interpretation which is posed by Midrash Tanhuma and many others who are saying, who, who says, no, you have to see this set of instructions coming after the golden calf incident. Uh, as we know in Mukdam Mukharba Torah, there's no real sense of chronological order in the Torah. There are pieces of Torah that are written out of, out of their chronological sequence. And that this section actually comes after the section of the golden calf, such that the uh, mishkan, the mikdash, the sanctuary functions not in the sense of relationship building, but in the sense of kapara, forgiveness. That this is the 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 um, the gold. The words of the midrash are uh, that. Um, God says let the gold of the Mishkan let that gold atone for the gold that was used in the fabrication of the Egel. that there's a kind of homeopathic remedy of the Mishkan so so Let me put this in in a kind of frame debate terms, which is Mishkan, proposition. Is it for building the relationship or is it repairing the relationship? And I'm going to turn to you, Barry. Go ahead.
2: Well, what a great invitation, Elliot. Thank you so much. (laughs) I think that there are two different, as you indicate, there are two different trends. On one hand, we have to observe that on Yom Kippur, the great day of reparation, is the one day that the, High priest goes into the Holy of Holies and encounters directly God, which would suggest kapara. But I'm struck by the verse in our Parsha, which is v'shachpanti b'tocham, that the purpose of the sanctuary is so that God will dwell amongst the people, which suggests that it's about relationship building or cultivation, however we might look at it. And you know, as I mentioned before, when we were talking before the recording, there is something to be said here for um, the idea that Sinai is a transcendent experience. The idea God is far away; He's on the mountaintop, and the Mishkan is for an imminent experience. And religion requires both. We need God the King, uh, Malkenu, and God the Father, Avinu, or the Parent of. Uh, since it's 2023 um and I I think that our religion accepts both that in other words we have a paradox and rather than choose between one or the other we, we take both okay. and so we have the transcendent God the imminent God we have reparation and relationship building although today um as we enter the poor and Passover season, I would go with relationship building over cupera.
0: If I can, I, I will. Go ahead. I don't. I I I agree that we don't have to 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 choose that that in the you know in, in, anything poetic is not just one thing; it's multiple things and, and it has different you know different harmonics and different valences. So we don't have to choose, but I would phrase the question in a way which I think raises the stakes a little bit. Which is what is the what is the purpose of worship? Is worship, or what is the role of worship in the you know breed between God and Israel? Is the pur- purpose of worship like fundamental part of it from the outset? And and that's the position that says, yeah, yeah, the whole point was that there would be a place and people would come and vishahanti betocham I would dwell. In you know this this is like one of the great midrashic movies that you know I dwell dwell in it is not the phrase it's dwell in them that somehow the activity of the mishkan dwells in the people it's beautiful the whole point was that we would have this relationship that's the Brit, Uh, that the Brit was to create that possibility and for sure right after Sinai we get this way of bringing that down into our lives in a regular basis and and the worship that you would do. The meeting of God and Israel, the God and humanity, is, is like the whole point from the outset. And the other way of looking at it, uh, if, if you want to uh, take the position that the Mishkan was devised in response to, the, to this terrible moment of idolatry, then what you end up saying is, actually, there wasn't a plan for worship. And I realize that worship is kind of a concession to the human impulse for idolatry. Which is the main point of this religion, which that's you know, Maimonides would would wave that flag. And and keeping God up in heaven is really the better thing, but I realize it's risky. So I'm gonna have to bring it down as a concession to your frailty. And that to me is really kind of unappealing. Uh that, that to me doesn't seem seem to work on a religious level.
1: So I I think it it I mean, I, I would disagree with you slightly in the sense that it, it it certainly works i mean i think people do need a, you know to be forgiven the people need a sense of kapara in their lives when you know when they transgress when they feel that they have committed you know sins and and failed in other areas and in their relationships or in the relationship with god certainly you know no no relationship can work without without forgiveness we all know no. that and, 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 and mean certainly the relationship with God can't work without forgiveness. And so the Mishkan has a primary purpose of of, of mediating that that sense uh, and providing the instrumentality for, for what is necessary for that relationship.
2: So what I would ask is a different question, and that is what is our motivation for a relationship with God? Is our, Are we motivated by this need for forgiveness, or are we motivated by need for consecration and celebration? And I think as I get older, I favor the consecration celebration model more than the forgiveness model. It's, it's true that we have to forgive and be forgiven. And, you know, one of the things that's always important to remember in these conversations that it's far more difficult to forgive than to be forgiven And most of us want to be forgiven and don't want to forgive. So we have to keep the balance in mind as well. But I think that as I get older, the need for celebration and consecration are much more important than the need for forgiveness. And I don't mean to downplay the need for forgiveness. Granted, as I get older, I also have more need of forgiveness. Um, But it's not the primary motivation. And, Jeremy, just in response to what you said, I want to suggest the following, that this verse about Vashachanti Patocham could be the explanation that's given now for the Mishkan, but that it's possible there was another explanation before the golden calf. We were going to have a Mishkan, but it wasn't so that God will dwell among among the people, but for perhaps a different reason.
1: I want to pose pose another idea, and 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 we may have spoken this about about this in the past, which is that you know when you read, for example. Um, sarna sarna's commentary jps commentary uh I, th- I think it's in sarna the 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 scheme of the mishkan uh of which i happen to have an illustration here right here okay and i got this from the shorashim store in old city of jerusalem by my friend uh, dof Kempinski, who owns the store uh big shout out uh so so that the, the Mishkan basically is the compression of Sinai, making Sinai into a, a portable Sinai, uh, uh, and that so you know you don't have to go to a mountain all the time for uh, God's revelation, and and that that serves a purpose, the purpose of relationship building, which I think for you, Barry, you're saying it's the much more dominant modality, the more dominant the more dominant chord in the relationship is. We're, You know, this is about constantly celebrating and bringing, you know, the uh, growing the relationship as opposed to the, the sense of uh, kapara and forgiveness all the time.
2: Elliot, <laughs> if you could put that picture up again for a moment. There's something that is adumbrated in our Parsha today. So the chazer is by far the largest part of the Ohel Moed, and that's open to sunlight. The Kodesh, which is the next, level of holiness is illuminated by the menorah. And in the Kodesh Kodashim, the light is the light of God. And so we have three different ideas of what should light up our life. God, the artificial light, and natural light.
1: So the smoke, the smoke that's, that's going up here, that's coming out of the, um, that's the God's presence and we have the smoke of the altar here, the external court with the altar at its center, and the internal court with the, the pillar of cloud and pillar of smoke at the center. It's always nice to have these uh these illustrations. Jeremy. No, well, I would
0: just I would just make the observation that um under under any construal about these things, the the there, there's a range of uh things that happen in in the Mishkan, and ultimately in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple, the permanent temples of Jerusalem. Uh, there are a range of things that happen, and and kapara, getting atonement, is a big thing. Um, you know, the, uh, the 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 number of, if you do an inadvertent sin, you're supposed to bring a, a chatat, and then the holidays have different, you know, like, uh, it's always a seir l'chatat, a goat that somehow, you know, atones for the sins. And um, but it's important to just to to recognize, you know, that that the consecration celebration parts of religion are are woven together with a guilt and atonement, with a you know feasting, um, with a you know part of the korbanot system is to feed the kohanim, um, and and I just uh, it feels to me like a wise thing to remind you know ourselves and our listeners that that religion is not like a single thing religion is a way of life that that encompasses so many different emotions so many different religious emotions or life situations um and and i i uh i I really appreciate that about judaism you know that that judaism is business law and and holiday preparations and food taboos and and personal ethics and all that stuff Goes into it together, and the relationship with God includes each of those things too.
1: Yeah, and there may be times of our lives where we're more motivated or or shaped by the need for forgiveness, and we're more motivated by the needs for, let's say, Thanksgiving and and tzedakah. Yeah, you go into the Beit
0: You go into the Mishkan. Like, what has happened? There's there the lighting of the lights. There, there is the burning of incense. It's So it's a beautiful sensory experience. There is the sacrificing of animals. There is, you know, all the, the incredible, uh, you know, uh, visual visual representations, the artistry of Bezalel. All this stuff, you know, is is part of what makes that a holy place.
2: So, you know, you mentioned the famous phrase, and one of the problems I have is that when the phrase is invoked, it doesn't always explain why they're out of order. So what do you think the purpose is if we take the midrash tanfuma's version that this is kapara for the eggal azarav? So why place the the Mishkan here and not after Kitisa, where the golden calf episode appears?
0: Well, Rashi, Rashi gives the explanation. Rashi who, who espouses this view gives the explanation. Uh Maka. God wanted to tell you that there's a happy ending. Listen, okay, I'm going to tell you. We're going to there's going to be building the Mishkan. We're going to reconcile. I'm going to dwell within you. Now, let me tell you where the next part goes wrong. Yeah. Like I, I had to promise you a happy ending before I told you the horror show of the golden calf. That's that's at least Rashi's attempt.
1: Can we can we talk about the verse? It's uh, chapter twenty five, verse twenty two.
0: Rashi was a smart guy.
1: Don't, don't laugh at him. The <laughs> uh, This is in, in speaking about the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, pictured in your minds, right? A, a chest covered with gold inside and outside with uh, the kruvim uh, situated on the top. And inside the Ark of the Covenant is the covenant. The shnei luchot ha'idut. Or the, the tablets of testimony, <laughs> right. you know, um, the, the, with the Ten Commandments incised on them. Uh, some posit that it's actually two copies of the Ten Commandments, not Commandments 1 to 5 and 6 to 10. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I think
2: you suggested that. I a couple suggested,
1: weeks ago, it, but, but I got it from somebody some, else. Some people from say that. Torah.com. Yeah. I will meet you there. So it's a fascinating idea. This that that that's the place that God will meet you between. So it says, "Vidibarti chame alakapor." I will speak to you above the kaporet. And if we weren't convinced that uh, this the temple or the mishkan functioned for kapara, well, the the centerpiece of it is a kaporet. It's an atonement cover. The cover, the cover, From between the two, you know, cherubs, Asher Allah aaron that is on the uh, ark of the covenant of the testimony. Et Asher atzave Israel, everything that I command you to the children of Israel.
2: So, so I want you to unpack that image. We, I,
1: I, we have I, the ark,
2: yeah, with the. The tablets of the testimony of the covenant inside. And we have the two proving facing each other and God is speaking through them. Why?
1: I, it's why is wonderful... the
2: covenant, uh, why is the ark of the covenant itself not
1: enough? And, and, and exactly. And what does it even mean? You know, that God is speaking. I mean, think about it. It's, it's, you're saying that there's a zone there, that is the zone of speaking. I, I I'm I'm in the process. Yeah, well, that
0: makes that makes perfect sense because the Kruvim are a th- the, the. Okay, I I'm going to confess that my image of the Kruvim is a combination of what I know of Jewish sources and Raiders of the Lost Ark.
2: There you go, but which but is a Jewish source? Steven Spielberg's
0: Jewish, but the. The the Kruvim are these, you know winged winged beasts uh, at either end of a single it's a single piece of beaten-out metal, and and they extend the wings and the wings kind of meet in the middle. There you go.
1: There you go. I'm sharing the screen that for people who are listening. I'm sharing a screen of a golden box with Kruvim here. Okay.
0: And and the Kruvim function as a throne. As it were, as it were, the invisible God is seated um, in that space between. As if this were a chair, the invisible God would be seen there. And so the you know lacha sham chami ben hakruvim means that I will be. You won't. You won't see me exactly. It's the you know the beauty. The beauty of the the religious beauty or the 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 depth of the idea is that it's a throne for the invisible. Um, uh, you won't so, see so me, but the, I will speak to you from there.
1: I, I'm 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 putting on here like my my my, my cursor on the space between the cruvine, but but you know, even as I do that, there's a certain absurdity to, to that. I mean it's and I'm gonna close the screen now. That the 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 absurdity is that God can be located in the space. And it's almost like saying, you know, I have a kind of you know uh, uh the Amazon Alexa speaker, right? So so I I actually Tried to use it. I had to give it back. Couldn't couldn't handle it.
2: So okay. this is a question. How important are the Shnei Chodabri? Right. So the the way that you've described this is Moses is going to speak to God here in the in front of the Ark, which sort of counters the idea that we have in Sefer VaYikra, which, granted, were a few weeks away, where only the high priest is going to go in. To the Kodesh Hakodesh on Yom Kippur, so here we have a sense of Moses speaking regularly with God. But what is the precise function of the tablets of the covenant, which are never seen by anyone?
1: It's it's the reminder that's inside you. That but how the, does it remind anyone? Just you, that you know that it's there. Exactly, exactly. Look, you know, you you. It's almost as if when you. You walk into a room. You have a piece of text on 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 your doorpost. You have a mezuzah, right? You don't read the mizu- You don't read the text every time you walk into a room, but you know it's there, okay? But you okay. can
2: open it up and check it out, ah, okay? Because it's a mezuzah. Right? You
1: can't do that with the ark, right?
0: Although, well, are, you, are you sure that that's the case? I mean, obviously, you know, we we have the idea that um, the Aron you know, was carried off to Bavel. Although, if I remember right, there's there's some rabbinic lore that they hid it away in the Beit Hamikdash, and it never went to Babel. Uh, I don't remember. I, maybe I'm rem- misremembering that. But um, is that is that is that for sure true that they never uh, claimed it, that they never checked it out? Um, and we also just to to throw another little beautiful, you know. Uh, Grace note on that on that the idea that the that the Shnei Luchot are inside the box, uh, well, so are the broken fragments, right? That, that well, Luchot Bish- the Luchoduchot Luchodeshivu Luchot, Munachim Hayuba ba'aron. both both the 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 intact second set and the broken first set. So that's just like so so intense. Uh, you know, the 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 whole divine communication, the broken divine communication. The you know the remember remembrance of our success and the remembrance of our failure are are at the at the heart of the temple. Wow, I mean that's just that's just
2: so awesome. I'm reminded I had a teacher when I was at Spurtish College of Judaica, Rabbi Martin Goldman, who posed the following question: How do you clean out an ark? And you know that an ark in Hebrew is our own, um, which is also the word for closet. And he said, When you have to clean it, it's just a closet, it's not the ark. And what reminds me of this is that in the picture that you showed, Elliot, there are two poles for which the ark could be carried. Because in the Mishkan, at least, it has to be taken apart every time the people move. And so perhaps they would actually see the ark because everything has to be carried, at least in the image of the that the Torah presents for us. But the other thing that I wanted to mention here is that as we go through Parshat truma, we come to the realization that they're describing the Mishkan being built from the inside out. Because the very first thing that's being built is the ark, and then the shohan and the menorah. And I don't know enough about ancient architecture, but I've seen enough houses being put up to know that you build a house from the outside in. And it seems that what's necessary here is that the first thing is you have to have this relationship with God because without that, without the Ark, there is no Mishkan.
0: This is beautiful because um, it's of course correct, and and the and then the description at the end of Exodus where they where they actually do the stuff, it gets done. It gets done uh, in the sensible order: is that they erect the building and then they put the the accoutrements and furniture in. Um, and the, this way of storytelling that the Torah says, okay, first thing I have to tell you is we're going to build an ark, and that's that says to the readership, says to the listener, says to us, says to Jews, um, remember what the point of this whole thing is. The point is not, you know, we need the we need the, the walls, we need the bars, we need the curtains, we need the 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 hooks and the pillars, the vaveha and the sockets and the and then joined on the Rob that goes through the you know the the pole that, that goes through the middle of the planks um gotta have all that stuff but the point is the Aron which carries the tablets which represent the the divine communication to Israel
1: I just I'm stuck with the, the image of that there's a there's a space here and that it's invisible and that there's sound coming out of it. that it's that I'm going to speak to you and, and that that there's there's no kind of gadget that does this, that that you you almost have to be so attentive to hear the sound. Um, and and that it requires of the individual interacting with the space that degree of attentiveness or attunement. To hear it, I, I want to uh, um, try this one out on you because the no'arati It's the no'arati I'm going to make myself meet you there and speak to you. So when I was studying this a while ago, I thought, you know, gee, it sounds like, you know, in the Shema we have Vishinantam levanecha bam, right? And and you teach and you speak. Here it's the no'arati and could it be that that in in the way that we teach we are trying to replicate God speaking to uh Moses here between the kruvim do you is 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 it a stretch or is it just a, you know maybe it's a nice little homily that that the lecha. I will make my meaning with you, vidi. I will speak to you right it that doesn't that's it,
0: it is homiletical, but it doesn't seem to me a stretch it exactly. seems to be it seems to me um a real expression you know uh I think Professor Alibni wrote that the process of midrash is something like. You know, God has grown silent at the end of the Bible period, and that rabbinic literature, the process of midrash, is in a sense, uh, you know, uh, resisting the silence of God and forcing God to speak. Chaim uh, Volozhin also said this, right? That it's that, that 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 studying Torah is forcing God's mouth open and making making God continue to speak, and and so the communication of God to Israel, God to Moshe. Um, is is replicated in the process of Torah study. Whenever Jews do this, that, I, that speaks to me a lot.
2: Yeah. It's- so another point. So you keep mentioning this word venodati and it's easy to hear a similar word to venodati vinodati, which we hear for the first time. I think in Parshat um, Faera, where God says to Moshe. That I did not make myself known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by the name I'm going to reveal to you. And it seems that there's something similar to that because the experience of God in the space that you describe so beautifully, Elliot, is something new for them. Yeah. And so the Israelites haven't seen that before either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's enlightening to me that we have these two words that are very close in sound, if not in meaning, that have to do with how we can know God.
1: Yeah. This is all about trying to know God. And again, back to our, our first discussion, which is the discussion of the the purpose of the, of the Mishkan, uh, kapara, or, or the noadity, the growth of, of the people. Um, and the sense that that people, people want this intimacy. You know, uh, I was at a, a lecture in Israel uh this past week with Aviva Aviva Zornberg, you know, a very important scholar, gives a public lecture at the the um uh, Beit Avichai, and she cited a, a a midrash that talks about uh citing Shira Shirim um and it pictures God you know as the lover. Outside and and the, the the text of the midrash basically says I want you to come from the outside where it's raining where it's and come mm-hmm. into shelter come into the shelter and in a sense you know the 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 quest here the the spiritual religious quest and the human quest is to bring the divine in bishachanti betocham um, then is uh, and maybe we'll we'll end with this idea which is. Is it to dwell among you or to dwell in you? To dwell among you, meaning that God will be in a community, or will it be God dwells bitoch in the person?
0: It's, it has to be, you know. <laughs> forgive me for splitting the difference again, but it, it has to be both, right? Like, yes. if you believe that if you believe that there's a a, a heart and a soul. And a mind, you should believe all those things. Um, then, then yes, each person does have an individual relationship with God. But this is this is Am Yisrael here, and and V'nikdashti b'toch b'nei Yisrael was, which will show up in. Uh, and Emor and Leviticus, I will be sanctified amidst the community of Israel. That's why we need a minion. That's why you know, if you if you're going to recite Kiddushah and Kaddish, it has to be B'toch Bnei Yisrael in the community, requiring the quorum of ten. And and so you know, you have to be attempt Kadosh. You're going to be a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, not just a bunch of individuals, but a a unit, a, a corporate body. So I I think that the that the uh, power of the individual relationship, the betochiyot of each person, yes, but it can't overwhelm, and that relates to other conversations that the three of us have had about, about, you know, individual identity and community identity, and and it's hard to be a Jew without a sense that you are part of an Am Yisrael, um, the Jewish people who have its own responsibility. All right. So
2: what, what I would say is that the Mishkan, the Ohel Moed, is a symbol of a portable religion. So God dwells amongst the people, is how I understand it, and that go, the Ohel Moed goes with the No'adat, that um, God will meet you in the tent of meeting. The Beit Hamikdash, the temple, is was meant to be eternal. It was built to last forever, and the fact that never twice it didn't is, you know, for to our sorrow, but. I think outside of the divine plan. And that relates to the part about I will be holy. And you will make me a sanctuary. And we have these twin impulses in life. We recognize that perhaps the, the great metaphor of life is a journey, which would go with the Oh, hum, oh accompanying the people in the wilderness on their wanderings. And our great dream is for eternity, for fixing this. And that's represented by the Beta Makdash. And at the end of the day, we lose the beta Makash twice. The temple is destroyed not once but twice. But we have this image of the
1: Ohelma eight from our parsha that we could take with us wherever we go. And indeed we do. We do. And, and in fact, you know, we could even say that the virtual space, the virtual space is now a holy space. And that's what we've tried to create here. And with our viewers and listeners who are joining us and honoring us. We have created a virtual space of virtual holiness with this, and so that for that we thank you. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. It's a great pleasure to 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 be with you every week. and We want to say Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, enjoy Shabbat, enjoy Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. See you next week on the next edition of.